According, the, the end is near. I mean, according to the book of Hesitations, which doesn't exist, chapter 13, verse 9, when the Cubbies win, Jesus is coming back soon. So, just so you know, prepare, maybe before Tuesday, who knows? I did watch the game. It's the second, probably the second baseball game I've watched from start to finish 10 years. Just don't watch sports much, but my son texted me, go Cubbies, first in the, during the first inning. And so we watched the game together, him in Denver and me here, but texting back and forth. Um, it was actually a great time. <laughs> but I did learn why I don't watch sports because, you know, in the middle of the game when things changed around again, I started getting all uptight and kind of angry. And my son texted some words that he probably shouldn't let his dad read. <laughs> and I went, oh, I know. I know because it doesn't bring joy. It hurts. Um, so I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Normally I pray just the, the kind of the thing that I pray before every message, but I'm going to tell you that this, this message um, I'm more nervous about than I have been in years, and I'm going to, t- I'm going to tell you why, because I'm going to poke you. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to deal with our misplaced identities, and some of it will get to politics, but I won't talk about a particular party or the other. I will show you some of the hypocrisy on one side of, one side of the aisle, because it's an easy one, but there are, there's hypocrisy everywhere. But when you go to the doctor and you've got something wrong or you don't know you have something wrong and they, they do this, I don't know what this does. I'm sure there's a physician who'll tell me. Um, and, and when they poke and prod other places and, and it hurts and it's not supposed to hurt, it tells you something's wrong. So I know that when I walk out of here, most people will just go, hey, and then we're going to walk right by. I got it. No one's going to make eye contact with me today. I'm just telling you ahead of time. So if you want to harden your heart so you don't receive, it's up to you. But I've got to do what God has called me to do. And we've been talking about identity. That identity comes from Christ and Christ alone. That our only comfort in life is that, is that I don't belong to myself. But I belong body and soul and life and the death of my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's been the last two weeks. But sometimes we misplace our identities. I'm going to challenge that today and probably poke at some things that you don't think are a big deal, and I'm going to be a little prophetic on you. The prophets in the Old Testament find a lot of trouble with things that other people didn't think was a big deal. So, you ready? Let's pray. Lord, I don't want there to be any poison in this message. None at all. So I need your spirit. Fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet with your Holy Spirit. Give me courage, wisdom, insight, and discernment. And Lord, I ask the same thing for everyone sitting in this room, that you fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet with your Holy Spirit, that you give us wisdom and insight and discernment and hope. Lord, this is your message for your people. And that's the only thing I want to say. So if I have something planned to say or something written on my paper here that's not of you, then I don't want to do it. But if there is something that you want said that I haven't thought of, Lord, bring your glory. Make your words weighty for us. Remind us whose we are. And show us where we identify ourselves on earthly things instead of heavenly things. In Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. 
will be a familiar passage. We love part of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We love that. Oh. But the acts of the sinful nature, we don't like that much. Because it says at the end of that, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to read them both. And I'm going to point out one of the acts, one in particular, one of the acts of the sinful nature that you might not know what it means. And I'm going to try to draw some comparisons. Some of them will be biblical from their culture. Some of them will be contemporary from ours. So it reads like this. Oh, by the way, when you, when you, when you hear this, the word fruit, of, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Uh, it, gentleness and self-control. It's, it's all of those things. Not one here and then another one later. It's all of those things. That's what the Spirit of God produces in us. He's a, in our, in our, in our mind, he's a, he's a multi-fruit tree, but it's, it's, it's all one. It's, but the acts of the sinful nature are all individual. That is acts, A-C-T-S, instead of fruit, F-R-U-I-T. So I say to you, or so, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, the word there is pornea, and it means everything from what we call pornography to fornication, which is having a, a, a physical, there's kids in the room, a physical relationship with someone that you're not married to, however that might be. And it encompasses all of that, not just one single thing. Impurity and debauchery. And if you're not sure what debauchery is, it's not a word we use very often. Um, if you're so caught up in, in a life of, of, of sinfulness or anger or rage or whatever it is, so caught up that you bring others into that with you, that's debauchery. You are bring, you're causing others to sin by your behavior. So the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you as I did before, says Paul, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying, envying one another. Now, you might not know this, but the word, in the acts of the sinful nature, obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, we get that, discord, we get that, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. We might not, we might not know this, but that word is translated like in the, in the Revised Standard Version as party spirit. And that's not, party, it's not that kind of spirit. I know, I can't pull that off, I'm 50. Can't do it, can't do it. It's political party or identity party. You heard of the term identity politics? 
We often decide that we are something less than God wants us to be. We identify ourselves with people that are like us. We, we, we demonize or vilify people that aren't. And we do it in the smallest levels. Cleveland Indian fans and Chicago Cub fans, it was peaceful for the most part, but you know that some people hate other people based on the, where they live geographically or what letter is on their hat of their baseball team? You've seen it here, Zealand East, Zealand West, a couple of years ago. There were people in this church because of whatever happened and who was in charge of deciding who's in what conference or another. People in this church didn't talk to each other for months over Zealand East and Zealand West. Soccer, football, basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball. I'm missing others. You get the point. I'm calling this out, folks. That is wrong. We are Christ followers. And Christ followers... Love one another. We're first identified with our Savior before we're identified. And it's nothing wrong with being passionate about your school. The Beach Boy said it. Be true to your school. <laughs> rah, 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 shish, boom, ba. Just like you would to your girls, guys. <laughs> Be true to your school. Let the colors fly. Now, that was really cool in the 50s. Now we listen to that, we go, whatever. MSU and U of M. Fans? A couple years ago, I was sitting with my in-laws and Lynn at, at uh, Red Robin in Holland here. And that game was on when the last second, there was a fumble or some kind of change of possession. And, and the other team won. I don't even remember who it was. Don't tell me. <laughs> Mainly because I don't care. There were people in this church angry with one another because of what was said about fans of the other on social media. Christians showing hatred, anger, discord, and faction against one another over what a 20-year-old guy did on a football field. We say, oh, we know who we are. No, we don't. Denominations in the church. Even within our own denomination. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kurt and I were in a meeting with other pastors in our denomination, just in Zealand proper, and there were accusations about competitiveness and sheep stealing, and, and you're taking those people, and you're just doing that so that more people will... We vilify people that disagree with us, with our politics. We even say, well, you don't follow the rules that I... The Baptists and the reform, Christian reformers used to be across the street from each other. It's hilarious. If you think about it, if you step back, it's hilarious. I can't believe those Baptists are having a cookout on Sunday. The Baptists are, I can't believe those Christian reformers are over there smoking on Sunday. We all, we define ourselves by our rules. We define ourselves by what rules I follow and you don't, so you're bad, I'm good. Or I don't think that that's a big deal and you think it's a big deal, so you're bad, I'm good. We do it everywhere. Climate change, animal rights. And to me, the most sad is that there are people that wholly, completely identify themselves by what attracts them to another person sexually. That we, would, that, we would, that we would minimize the call of God in our lives, minimize the identity as Christ, by what makes me Folks, I'm more than my sexuality. And so are you. It saddens me when we identify ourselves by anything earthly before and instead of anything heavenly. 
It's all nothing more than tribalism. Factions. Party spirit is tribalism. When you start, you don't care what happens and how it happens. You just want your team to win. It's no different than the Jews hating the Samaritans. It's no different than Jonah and his hatred for the Ninevites. It's no different than Paul's hatred for the church before his conversion. And it's no different than how we thingified, we turned people into things in the early part of the history of this country when we enslaved people because of the color of their skin or their national origin. We misplace it when we misplace our identity. We misplace our identity when we first set our hearts and minds on things of the earth. It's natural to associate with people that are like us. And it's also natural to thingify or dislike or demonize or vilify people that aren't like us. Why do we do it though? Why do we identify ourselves first with things that don't really matter? Why are we first fans of this or that? Why are we first people of this particular political party or that? Why are we first something other than first, seek first the kingdom of heaven? Why are we first willing to to be angry? Think about you watching the TV. If you watch news, you're angry. And if you're not, then you get it on mute. Because the other side, and I don't care which side you're on right now, with, with the other side, they're all evil, they're bigots, they're hate filled, they only want what's good for themselves, they're all corrupt. You see it? It's the same arguments that were made four years ago, eight years ago. Gotta do my math. 16 years ago, 20 years ago. It's the same arguments that were made when Jesus said, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. Some things don't change, but what should change is how Christians identify ourselves. Now, I get criticized, especially the last three or four weeks. And this isn't me like, (laughs) because I won't tell people how to vote. That's not what you pay me for. It's not what you call me for. And it's not what God wants from me. Preach the scriptures. And what scripture, the scripture that's been preached and the voice that's coming from this pulpit is the same as it was six months ago, two years ago, four years ago. I'm going to speak into politics today. I'm going to tell you how to vote. But I'm going to show you the hypocrisy that we see in in one side so that you see that it's everywhere. And if you want, this this is just an easy one because I can do a visual and and audible thing. And, And there's part of it that I think should matter to us. But on the other side of the aisle... We don't care about the poor. If we, we say we care about the poor, but we haven't fought hard enough then. We haven't tried hard enough to make sure that inner cities have hope and, 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 and possibility and options. But here's one. Here's some hypocrisy that you might not recognize. This is why I won't, I won't I'm not going to preach hypocrisy. I'm not going to tell you to do something that, that doesn't work. Christ works. What you have here in these cups all but one of them are, all, are, are the major wars since 1775 in our country. 241 years since bullets were flying. And I want you to know 
that there have been more than a million deaths, not just combat deaths, but all deaths associated with any conflict ever. It includes the Native American wars, it include, you name it. It includes the ones you've never, Grenada, uh, uh, Falkland Island, all the ones you've, you guys have never heard of. <clears throat> there have been exactly, at least at the, the time of this stat, from the, from, right from the government, 1,354,644 lives lost in war or conflict since our nation was founded. That is roughly, just slightly less than the population, current population of Phoenix, Arizona. You might have heard something like this on the radio. One BB that you hear land in this pan represents 10,000 lives. 10,000 lives, one BB. Revolutionary War, all deaths, not just combat deaths, and I don't think we kept great statistics back then, but Revolutionary War. War of 1812. You guys know when that was, 1812? Mexican-American War. Civil War. World War I. World War II. Korea. Vietnam. War on terror, including 9-11 deaths. Now there's one particular side, not all, but a side of our political spectrum that cries out every time someone decides that we're going to go into conflict and send people into battle, and we should be concerned about that. But at least since Vietnam, everyone that's gone to war has had a choice. No blood for oil. No, no, no colonization or imperialism. I get it. Argue, argue, argue. Debate, debate passionately. But the same side that, that vilifies anyone that thinks that war is a good thing celebrates Roe versus Wade. Since 1973, that's 43 years, one BB equals 10,000 lives. Fifty-seven million choices have been made because they didn't want to be inconvenienced or they weren't going to be a good parent. Fifty-seven million. Phoenix, Arizona, all lives lost in conflict. Michigan, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, Kentucky, Oregon, Oklahoma, Connecticut, Iowa, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kansas, Utah, Nevada, and Hawaii, all combined, 2010 populations, less than 57 million. God help us. Be careful who you identify yourself with. If you're first a liberal, then God has some questions for you. And if you're first a conservative, 
then God has some questions for you. I'm not telling you that this isn't important. Voting on, on, on Tuesday, it is. Billy Graham, or excuse me, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, he took over the reins. And he said, he's done the research, and I think he used the Barna Group for it, but that in 2012, in the presidential election, about half, 40 to 50% of all Bible-believing Christians didn't vote. And we're 26% of the electorate. And I know, I get it. I can't vote for this one. Corruption, can't vote for that one. The things that person has said, I get it, I do. It's awful, all of it. That's why we don't identify ourselves first with party spirit. We identify ourselves with Christ. Franklin Graham has asked Christians to vote and to go into the booth and to do this and for two minutes to pray, asking God for wisdom that his will be done. But folks, if I choose on Tuesday not to vote because I don't want to be affiliated with a particular party, then I'm saying that God can't influence through his people. But if I, if I choose not to vote, I'm given into the God of fatalism. Eh, nothing I can do, it's all rigged anyway, nothing I can do about it, it's going to be what it's going to be. And if you can't vote for one of the people on the top of the ticket, skip it and go down ballot. I'm weird. The things that affect and, 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 and make other people angry and get them all wound up, I, I don't care. I don't get it. I don't. Sport, I, I played, my identity was wrong. For years, I was an athlete, and then I threw my arm on a joint, and then 22 more times it went out, 21 more times it went out of joint. Athlete, so then I became the injured boy. My dad left when I was in sixth grade. He abandoned me, so I was the abandoned boy. You know what? Neither of those identities are right. They are my experiences, but they're not right. I'm a child of God. I have a father that will never abandon me, never forsake me. I'm a I, I, I am a child and an heir to the throne. I have the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that rose Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead. He lives in me. And he calls me to do the same thing on Wednesday that he calls me to do on Tuesday, that he called me to do a year ago, that he'll call me to do 10 decades from now, if for some weird reason I'm still living. And that is to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. To cry out, Abba, Father, not Democrat or Republican. Not Clinton or Trump. That's not what this is about. God is on the throne. He's on the throne today and he will be on the throne on Wednesday. And I've said this before, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know that the perichoretical relationship, it's the, the relationship between the, the, the three persons of the Trinity, that there's no competition between them? That there's not one of them going, hey, Father, I need more glory, so hey, back off a little bit. Imagine what God would be like if there was competition within the Godhead. But what God says to us is, live by the Spirit. Love your enemy. And I get it. Okay, you could argue. What about health of the mother and rape? Okay. You think there's been more than a million of those? That's 56 million 
children that never took a breath. You think God looks at that and says, well done, good and faithful servants. When he sees the inner city, does he look at the church and go, well done, good and faithful servants. Let's turn it around now. Colossians 3, we started with this one in this series. Since then, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See that? Set your hearts and your minds, really getting at your whole self, on things above. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, of, desires, or evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you, have been, since, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the, uh, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There's no Zealand East or Zealand West. There's no U of M or MSU. There's no liberal or conservative. There's no America versus the world. There is Christ. And he calls, imagine the impact we can have. Malice, anger, strife, all those things. The wrath of God is coming. Are we under judgment? I have no idea. But we should be glad I'm not God. Because that repulses me. We should be glad that we live in such an age of grace that we still, that we're not rubble. But God is calling us to the same things he called Paul to, that he called the disciples to, that he called the early church to, that he called the Colossians to, the Galatians. Same thing. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. It binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What's Christ's command? Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. It's easy to have enemies because it, it draws you together with the people that are like you. But if your enemy is another human being, it's the wrong enemy. You know who our enemy is? 
And you can, you can go, oh yeah, preacher, he's got to make it spiritual. Scripture says that our enemy is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of the air. And we're told in Scripture that the purpose of the church is to declare the manifold, that's the multifaceted wisdom of God to the, to the, to the spiritual authorities, to the demonic. What wants to divide? Yeah, the Word of God is a double-edged sword, and it will split bone from marrow. But what divides person from person, Christian from Christian, brother from sister, husband from wife? Identity misplaced. Who whispers in our ear that we should hate this person and, love and, 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 and only love those that are like us? Not Christ. We have the wrong enemy, folks. And if this bothers you, good. And if it comforts you, praise God. But the same thing will be preached from this pulpit as has been preached from this pulpit. It will be the word of God and Christian thoughts, Christian ideas, and the knowledge that God sits on the throne. Christ is the only king I have. And he's the only king you have. And keep in mind that the study of the book of Daniel tells us that God puts who he wants on the throne of nations, even the lowliest of people. He works through his people. So go and ask him to work on Tuesday, to work through you. But your call on Wednesday is the same as it is today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if there's someone in your neighborhood that's got a sign up that's different than yours, bake them a pie. When you're at the voting precinct and you see someone with a sticker or a button, love on them. But most of all, remember pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you identify yourself first with a party spirit, your identity is misplaced. And that's rivalries, it's politics, it's neighborhoods, it's race, it's global warming denier or global warming embracer. If it's first those things, those are earthly things. And because of those kind of things, the wrath of God is coming. But the fruit of the Spirit, you know. Somehow I got fur from this thing in my mouth. Let me leave you with this. I know we're running a little long. You do what you got to do. Be faithful to the God who's called you. But my prayer is that you and me, all of us, 
regardless of whatever happens, that we will say, as for me and my household, we serve the Lord. First, foremost, and at the expense of anything else. Let's pray. Lord, is our identity misplaced? I pray that you reveal that to each of us. Where we miss it, where we have our, set our hearts and minds on earthly things. And I pray, God, that you show us that we are holy and dearly loved, that we've been chosen by you, that you remind us that in view of your mercy that we can offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And Lord, I ask that you produce the fruit of spirit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 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 gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We pray this in your name, for your sake, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Would you pray with me over the next few weeks, asking God to forgive us? We don't really know what we're doing. We condemn Marduk worshipers and Baal worshipers for sacrificing people. Hey, but the Cubbies won. Look, God loves you. And he loves the people that hate you too. And the only way they're going to know is not from our condemnation, but from our grace. Not from our anger and hatred and vitriol, but our kindness and generosity and hope. We have an opportunity to show the world that Christ brings peace individually and corporately. Not based, not, not, not on how you vote, but on how you behave. Let us be filled with the Spirit and filled with the fruit of the Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. Be gracious. The word grace means God shower grace on you. Be gracious to you. Turn his countenance toward you. Smile at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.